Hi, my name is Jimmy. I'm an alcoholic. Jimmy! You're going to find out pretty quickly I'm not a circuit speaker. <laughs> um, I'm just a guy who is happy to be sober. I'm grateful to be sober. And uh, if nothing else, I hope that you hear a message tonight that helps you stay sober. You know, I don't know how that's going to look or what it's going to sound like. I, you know, I want to make you laugh, but I'm probably going to end up crying. <laughs> um, so, and it might just be like freeform scat. I don't know how it's going to come out. But an image, uh, I'm taking a 90-day chip in Tustin. It's 1989. And this guy, I'm with, my mom's with me. We're at the hospital meeting. And this guy gets up and takes a 10-year chip. And it, he, was a, he was an old man. He's probably in his 40s, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, he had his kid there. And he said, I think it was Mike. He said, my name's Mike, and I'm a grateful alcoholic. And I was just offended to hear that. Like, how can you be grateful to be an alcoholic? I'd grown up. My, my alcoholic dad came from generation-long alcoholism, you know, toothless people in the Ozarks. And he, thank God he wasn't a part of my life. Um, but like, how could you be grateful to be an alcoholic? And 10 or 15 years after that, I, I realized it. But just that image is so strong. Because I think I'm older than that guy was. Um, and I, am, I feel so blessed to know that I'm an alcoholic. To find out, like the book says, it, the book and this program are designed for us to find out who we really are. And one, I had no idea who I was. <coughs> prior to being sober and, and when I was drinking and even as a little kid before I was drinking but I was also kind of afraid to find out who I really was because <laughs> I'm less than you <laughs> and I don't really want to face that and alcohol kind of turned the volume down on that thought and when I, when I you know after a few meetings I heard I'm an egomaniac with an inferiority complex that I don't think very much of myself, but I'm all that I think about. And when I first heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's me. Um, another meeting I was at, I, I lived in Long Beach for a while, and this old-timer Sunday night speaker meeting on Naples Island at a little church, and he, he was very elegant, distinguished gentleman. He may have been an actor, may have been in Broadway, and he started to tell this amazing story. He was an older guy. He was a World War II vet, and he'd been in the like secret, secret stuff um, in the Air Force. And his plane crashed. He'd been captured, captured by the Nazis, and he was tortured. And he went, you know, it's part of his story. He goes through it, and then there were doctors and scientists, and they're trying to get all this information out of him. And he says, the greatest part about this story is it's all a lie. And again, I was like offended. I'm like, what, what? I'm nudging my old-timer sponsor. I'm like, what? And the guy said, I just made all that up. One, I'm not that interesting. And two, that's just how my mind works. I want to make you like me. And I, I could relate to that. I was like, oh, this sneaky old man. <laughs> like, and I was kind of pissed. Like, that was a really good story. I want to know how it went. But this was in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes into a pitch. He just, like, put the brakes on. He's like, oh, I, I made it all up. And I was pissed, but then I thought, okay, I get what he's saying. And then what floored me at the end of the meeting, and this is what gets me, he just, he started talking about gratitude and love. 
that he had for AA and the program. And he looked at, out the crowd and he said, I love you guys. And this old man started crying. And I couldn't figure that out either. And, you know, I talked to my sponsor about like, well, <laughs> he just gave a great pitch. Everything's going well in his life. Like, why is he crying? He just said he was just feeling love. And it was gratitude. And I could relate to that because like, I, my voice just cracked a little bit. I've always been like that. I remember not even 10 years old, fight with the neighborhood kid. And I came home and I was just bawling. And my mom's like, what's wrong? I said, I got in a fight. I said, are you hurt? Did you get beat up? No. Why are you crying? I don't know. Well, what happened? I, said, I kicked the guy's ass. But why are you crying? <laughs> I, I'm, uh, the emotion comes out. Uh, and I, you know, oh, I'm a crybaby. And finally, <laughs> in uh, therapy, this one guy was like, you just cry. Okay. I, I'm, a guy, I'm a man. I cry. And uh, what I'm finding out more about who I really am, I've got a lot of love in my heart, and I, I cry. Um, I, didn't, I did not want you to know. And uh, so I think on some level, I would, wow, must be bad, they're leaving already. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for you guys that are still here. Um, <laughs> but I think on some level, uh, not, not, a, not a conscious level, but when I drank, I really was, one, I wasn't afraid of what you thought of me, and two, that warbly little emotional voice went away. And, you know, I think I felt like I was about nine feet tall, 350 pounds, and uh, I felt okay as I took a drink. And I didn't make the connection that, wow, when I drink this, I feel better. But that's what happened. And I was able to be comfortable in my own skin. And through work, being sober, physical sobriety, work in the steps, um, one of the great gifts of sobriety for me has been able, being able to be uncomfortable and not necessarily have to change the way I feel. And that comes along with being comfortable with who I am. And, you know, it, whether it was from a thorough fourth step or just not drinking for a long time and not having to anesthetize how I feel, and finding out, oh, this is what emotions are like. And not having to run from them, not necessarily having to change them, but just being okay. And then the big thing, being okay, being uncomfortable. Um, I, nobody wants to be uncomfortable, but knowing that, wow, the way I feel right now, I don't have to drink to change it, and it's going to change. So, um, what else? I heard something today, and I've heard it a little bit lately about like you know Orange County AA. It's great. AA is great. But I got sober May 24th, 1989. I was 18 years old, and I was too young to be an alcoholic, right? So that that's always messed with my head. Well, maybe I I, re I hit it hard for four years, from 14 to 18, like BFD. Who cares, right? but I'm an alcoholic. I come from a line of alcoholics. And so people say, oh, I couldn't stay sober without Orange County AA. I have, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm in rehab. I'm, I'm out here and uh, I'm going to have to go home. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay sober. Yes, you can. The AA program is the AA program. And we got a lot of good stuff here in Orange County, but I've lived, in, I've lived sober in Argentina. Uh, I've been to st uh, meetings all across this country, and I've had I've moved for other reasons. So grateful to have a great home group, but if I if I'm grateful for my job and I have to move to another state or another city, I'm going to be grateful for the AA there. And I'm, if I don't like the meetings, I'm going to start my own meeting. 
so I just, you, you can do whatever you want with your AA program. Mine, I, I like AA and I'm going to take my AA with me wherever I go. So I, I'm grateful for AA wherever it is and I can't conditionalize my sobriety if I can't go to a certain meeting or if I can't get, first guy I asked to sponsor me said no. And I was like, oh, I'm going to stay sober. This guy's going to be my sponsor. No, sorry, I won't. Oh, what? Okay. I got another sponsor. Stayed sober. <clears throat> so, yeah, I just celebrated 30 years sober uh, back in May. And, but I also started counting days a while ago. And I, I can't do it all the time, so I have an app on my phone. It's 11,141 days. And going to meetings in Long Beach, there was this old guy, Frank Honeycutt. And we gave him a nickname. <laughs> But, uh, Frank Honeycutt would always say, my name's Frank and I got 10,472 days. And I always, I always hear his voice in my head whenever I say how many days I have, I, I have a Frank Honeycutt voice in my head. Um, but I like being sober one day at a time because 30 years seems stupid. I mean, even if I was 60, <laughs> 30 years just seems stupid, but it's one day at a time. And I haven't had to take a drink no matter what. You know, people die, babies are born. I've had gotten jobs, lost jobs. I got fired in 2018, laid off with about 100 people across the country from a job that I loved and I thought I was going to do, I was doing really well, or, you know, it was my career. And uh, I didn't work for 51 weeks. And at first it was fun and cool. I got to surf a lot, went to two meetings a day, got my real estate license. I had this plan, but uh, all of a sudden I got a little stressed and I didn't have to drink. Um, so, one day at a time. Um, I grew up in Tustin, and you know, it, was, it was a cool, it, it wasn't a rural town, but it was a rural town. We had broccoli fields and orange groves, and uh, orange groves are good places to go hide and drink and smoke. Um, broccoli fields don't smell very good in the summer. But I, I, I can remember, you know, being a little kid, little kid, where it's cute to ask for a drink. Walk around the parents' party, maybe you get to finish off a beer, sip a little wine or something, and it's cute. But I can remember doing that. My mom told me she used to rub Jack Daniels on my gums when uh, I was teething. And that's what caused my alcoholism. It's, it's her fault. Um, but and, and then somehow, like, I think my ego is like, oh yeah, I drink, and it, it might, I liked Jack Daniels and Jose Cuervo, and, uh, <clears throat> but I was the kid drinking screwdrivers in middle school, you know, with my uh, Tupperware jug of orange juice on campus. And it wasn't so, like, I almost, it wasn't so much that I needed that drink to avoid the shakes to get through middle school or anything, but I needed something to let me know that I was better than you or cooler than you. And maybe it was my, my friends would know, but I just needed something to make me feel better than because I always felt less than. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I was captain of the football team and uh, from like in, as an underclassman and I was a good athlete and I needed to prove to you that I was a tough guy um, because I was, <laughs> I was a little cry whiny little baby you know <laughs> I, 
I didn't, I didn't think very much of myself, so I needed to prove to you that I was worthy for you to talk to. And uh, so I'm captain of the football team, but all my friends were hanging out in the smoking section. And this was in the 80s in high school, and there was a smoking section. And I wanted to be in there. One, because that's where all my friends were, and two, because I wanted to get high all the time. Um, I, too, I, I did a lot of drugs. Um, I did them alcoholically. And it, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I go shoe shopping. I shop for shoes alcoholically. You know, I, I'll leave, I, I need a pair of shoes, I'm gonna leave with three. Um, young kid, I'm 18, I'm, stop, get, take away the drugs and alcohol. I want an experience. I want to have sex, you know. I want something to alter the way I feel, so I'm gonna have sex alcoholically. Uh, I, cocaine was kind of big in the 80s, so I did a lot of cocaine. And in my freshman year in high school, football team's having a party. I decide to take everybody home. So it, for a long time, I believe the story was Scott Marin gave me his keys to let me drive people home. But what happened was Scott was passed out, and I took his keys, and uh, I drove people home. And the last person I dropped him off had this really cool neighborhood with the little things on the road that light up when you hit the corner, double-wise, and tight, tight corners, and I thought I was Mario Andretti, and I was racing around, and I didn't make a corner, and I hit a parked truck. So I had to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and they, in Orange County, they call that hit and run. And I was, we were running, and I looked in the rearview mirror, I got a rearview mirror story, Marcus, and all the, the neighbors were running after us, and got, you know, in their pajamas, in their underwear, and we made it out. And I hid the car back in the rural times in Irvine, my buddy uh, Zeke Kerber had a, a farm in Irvine, and I hid the car under a big oak tree, and the, the helicopters were cruising around. A couple days later, I told my dad, and he took me to the police station and turned me in. Um, so I had to get a job to pay back repairing Scott Marin's car. So I went around Enderly Center on 17th and Yorba in Tustin and there was the Enderly Center liquor deli and I got a job at the liquor store. <laughs> I was 14 years old and a freshman in high school going into my freshman year in high school and I got a job at a liquor store and it was fucking great. <laughs> um, I stocked the beer cooler and I drank while I did it. And every night when I would break down boxes, I'd take them out to the trash and I'd grab a six pack or something and I'd put stuff in the trash and go back and pick it up later. So at 14 years old, I had an unlimited supply of alcohol. And even prior to that, in middle school, I was friends with Kevin Kim, a Korean liquor store family. Go figure. This, Kevin Kim's Korean family had a liquor store in LA and they closed it down and they brought the inventory home. So there was a back bedroom in his house that was full of liquor. So we just went in his house and pulled out bottles of whatever we wanted. So from a young age, I had an unlimited supply of alcohol. And the guys that ran the cashier at the liquor store, one guy said, hey, you know what? I think you see me dealing drugs from behind the counter. And I said, yeah, I know what you're doing. He said, well, if you do my side work, I'll give you a little line of cocaine. And then I said, okay, I've never done it before. So he gives me a little line of cocaine, and I do my work, I do his work, and it was pretty good. <laughs> and then I did a really good job, so he'd give me a little more. And that became a routine where I was like, is there anything else I can do for you so that, <laughs> right? 
And, and this was a year, maybe a year after I had promised an ex-girlfriend. She knew I smoked some weed too, alcoholically. And I, she said, I know you're doing some of the marijuana, but just don't ever do that cocaine, because that's really bad. And I said, absolutely, I promise that stuff's horrible. That's like drug people, no way. And so here I am doing a couple lines at the Enderly Center Liquor Deli on a regular basis to pay off the car that I crashed, DUI, hit and run, blah, blah, blah. And then the cashier switched shifts. I work with another guy and I told him, hey, by the way, I know you're dealing drugs from behind the counter. Also, here's what I did for the other guy. And that guy said, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. Except I don't waste my cocaine snorting it. And I said, well, what do you do with it? Anyway, that's when I learned how to freebase cocaine out of a squirt can. Um, so I ended up freebasing a lot of cocaine as well. But I did it alcoholically working in a liquor store. Um, I think that had something to do with me only having a four-year run. Um, but all the, all the time I drank alcoholically. I never drank to get lightly buzzed. Um, I was always drinking to, I was drinking to impress you. I had a girlfriend named Carrie Freeman and she chose me because she saw me with a bottle of Jack Daniels emptying it on the driveway before I walked into a party. And she told me later, like, oh, when I saw you do that, it was so sexy. That's why I wanted to be with you. <laughs> that's how, and I, and I would say that's how I chose my women, but she chose me. And that was the kind of woman that I chose. Um, another thing, and I, I, like, the stories in the back of the book, it says, we put all these stories in here so that you can read stories about how people got through their alcoholism and how God was introduced into their life. That's basically why the stories are there. So I'm just trying to give you details of, this is my story. And if you can relate to it, great. I hope, I hope you get one thing where you go, okay, maybe I'm an alcoholic. Because I, I have a book study at my house on Wednesday night. It's a men's stag, and we read the book. And we've gone through the book quite a few times, and I've got an older edition of my book, which I forgot to bring tonight. Um, I've had one book for 30 years. Anyway, we read it, and I start thinking, like, gosh, are we going to read these stories again? There's the one about the... The, the woman that we're not going to relate to or there's the gay person that I'm not going to relate to or there's the black guy or there's the, my sponsor's black guy. Um, there's, there's the Indian guy who's never been to an AA meeting and he's only read AA literature and pamphlets. So people that say, oh, if you don't go to meetings, you're not going to stay sober. Eh, there's a guy in the book, never been to a meeting. But the thing is, I'm just trying to give you random details and hopefully it, it makes sense and, and you think, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll stay sober one more day. Um, and now I went down a path I don't know how to get back from. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, one more thing and then I'll stop talking about the past. I did a lot of LSD. <laughs> and I did a lot at once and I did a lot over a long period of time and I think that's why I'm so spiritual now <laughs> I've seen God I'm just kidding and if I if I forget I've had experiences sober just by meditating that were what I was looking for when I was trying to find something with psychedelic drugs um, so chemo got sober three months before I did. And 
German parents grew up in Hawaii. Name was Kimo. Older guy. <laughs> Don't hang out with the older kids. <laughs> he, uh, he, I rem he was riding a bike down the street three months before my family threw an intervention. And uh, it's like he'd been sober for 30 days, 90 days. We were blood brothers. We were freebasing, and a few of us became blood brothers. That was powerful. <laughs> we were close. Um, but to see Chemo sober riding his bike down Newport Boulevard in Tustin, like, where you been, man? I got sober, bro. <laughs> get the fuck away from me. But in the back of my head, I was like, I know I'm going to have to get sober sometime. And I wasn't planning on doing it. <laughs> my family had different ideas. But anyway, seeing Chemo being sober, I was like, oh, that, you know, it was a, a foot in the door. Anyway, Kimo worked at the Four Seasons Hotel at Fashion Island. The Grateful Dead were in town. They were playing at Irvine Meadows. And as he was walking down the hall, he looked at a maid's cart. And he's like, oh, it looks like a sheet of acid on the maid's cart. So he walked over, took it, put it in his coat, and left. And it was eight sheets of acid. It was 4,800 hits of acid. And uh, he started, he's like, I'm going to sell it. And then he stopped selling it and gave it away. And... We took a lot of acid. Um, but I, that kind of thing, too, is like I think it just helped me hit my bottom. Some people have financial difficulties. Some people have um, lose jobs, lose, lose relationships, marriages. I did a lot of acid. Helped me hit a bottom. Um, so now, fast forward. I'm 49 years old. I'm 11,141 days sober, and I'm here tonight. <laughs> and I'm grateful. Um, I, a month ago maybe, Jesse reached out and said, you know, sent me a text. And that night, I was waiting. I, I'm, I'm currently married, but my relationship's over. I'm going to get a divorce, and, uh, ending a six-year marriage. And, you know, it's all relatively new, and so I'm grateful to be at a, at a meeting. I'm not out at a bar trying to get drunk and drown my sorrows, or at home on the sofa with a gun in my mouth and a bottle trying to drown my sorrows. I'm, I'm sober, and I got to have dinner with a bunch of great guys tonight, and I'm here with you guys, and all your happy, smiley, beautiful faces. And uh, so I, I was waiting for a text, and it, it was just going to be something different, and then, I, I, oh, I, my phone, bing! So I grab it off the coffee table. Hi, Jimmy, this is Jesse. I'm hoping, Kelly gave me your number. I'm hoping you can speak at a meeting on Sunday night. And I laughed, thinking, that's not the text I wanted to get. <laughs> I, I wanted this other text, and I had a specific text in mind. And then at that, but at that moment, I realized, oh, God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. That shit's going to take care of itself. This is where you need to be. Put AA first. Put, if you don't hear anything else tonight, just put AA first. Everything else will take care of itself. That's my experience over 30 years in my life, and watching thousands, if not tens of thousands of people Stay sober or go out. Just put AA first. Everything's going to be okay. Um, so I said before, like it, it says in the book, the purpose of this book and this program, it's designed to find out who we really are. And the purpose is to bring us closer to a higher power. To find a, a power greater than ourselves and to bring us closer to that higher power. That's what the book says. And uh, my experience is, all the answers for all my problems are in the book. And a few years ago, I wasn't reading the book a lot. 
And I thought, you know what, I've been sober a long time, I'm sponsoring guys, I take them through the steps, we do stuff. I used to go to a book study every week and a 12 and 12, a 12 step and 12 tradition study and read out of the 12 and 12 every week for years. And I wasn't doing that. So told a few of the guys I sponsor, we're going to start a book study at my house at 6.30. And that's what we've been doing for a few years. And some of the guys, like guys I sponsor, the rowdier ones, like, oh, well, let's do, let's do a step study or let's read something else. Nah, it's Wednesday night. We're going to read the book. That's what we're, that's what we're going to do. If you want to go do something else, go do something else. Like if you don't like a meeting where you're at, they say, if you don't have a resentment at a meeting, you're not going to enough meetings. I like that one. And then if you have a resentment at a meeting, get a pot of coffee and go start your own meeting. Uh, so I started a meeting just to read the big book. And I love it. And I question it still. Every once in a while I'll think, should we not read the stories? Should we do this? Should we do that? And every week the book is just perfect. And even the guys that are there will read a story and you'll, you'll, you'll think like, oh no, it's just, it's going to be off. And it has a perfect message. Um, the steps, to, it, it, the t fast forward to the 12th step, it says, having had a spiritual awakening, uh, as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all of our affairs. So, I've had the same sponsor for about 21 years now, and he, he's got a couple of years less than I do in l terms of length of sobriety, but I've always been attracted to his program. I, I had about five years, and he came in with about three years, and he was crazy, and I, so I didn't do anything with him then, but about Five years later, um, I was ending a relationship and I was falling apart. And I didn't really have a great program. I'd worked the steps, I'd had sponsors, I was sober. I was kind of floundering. And this guy was talking about the principles of the steps. And I was like, hey, what are you, what are you talking about? He says, well, it talks about the principles of the steps in the program. So in each step, there's a spiritual principle. and. Now I have spiritual principles to live by. I have spiritual tools. And so just started working the steps with my sponsor. And, and then, you know, sometimes he'd quiz me on it and I'd think he was being a jerk, but he was, these are the tools by which I'm going to stay sober and I'm going to live my life. And in 30 years of sobriety, I've had some shit hit the fan. Um, my son's mom died about 11 years ago. We weren't together, but my son's mom died. And she, <laughs> young people don't, don't die, right? And that was tough. And now I got a 22-year-old kid whose mom died. And uh, we still, still work through that. Um, you know, parents die. Jobs get lost. People, relationships end. And I'm okay. I'm, I don't need to take a drink to feel different. Um, I have a primary purpose in my life. My primary purpose is to stay sober and to help another alcoholic achieve sobriety. What a relief to have a purpose in life. Like to show up and think, you know, thank God I, I had some guys showed up that I, you know, some, some guys I sponsor, some guys I know from other meetings. But to show up in a room full of people that I, I see some of you from other meetings, but I don't know you guys, but I have a primary purpose to be here. And that's for me to stay sober and help another alcoholic achieve sobriety. And whether you guys are getting anything out of this pitch tonight, you're sober right now. Even if you were drinking in the bathroom, you're sober right now. And uh, so having um, experience using the steps as a practical tool, like a, I heard that the program's a design for living. <laughs> what a relief. 
Um, I didn't have a design for a living before I got here. I, I was winging it and I was fucking it up. I wasn't doing a good job um, and I had no clue. I, it's like I was scared, but I don't, I don't, I've experienced fear in sobriety and even like recently, like now, it's, I'm, going, I'm, I'm getting a divorce. I was, I'm 49 years old, I didn't want to do that. Um, well, I don't think anybody gets married wanting to get a divorce. Um, and, and I think there's some fear of the unknown, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to acknowledge it. Uh, we're talking to Soch. Congratulations on six months. Congratulations, Bill, on a year. Um, we were talking about a, a book that talks about, or a principle of just being present in the moment, taking a deep breath. And breathe it out. And if you're just present in that moment, everything's okay. And uh, I, you know, I wanted to get into looking at each of the steps and, and what they mean to me and, and how they've affected me. But if nothing else, like prayer and meditation has just been huge to in, increase my conscious contact with my higher power. I have a God today. Um, my church is the water. <laughs> I, I go out to church in the water. My mom's a devout Catholic and she's okay with that. Um, but I, I have a higher power. I, I call him God. It's a universe, love. And uh, I feel blessed today just for the life I have. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I, I mean, I'm going to go home, go to bed. It's, it's already past my bedtime. But uh, the uncertainty doesn't scare me. There's, there's more certainty in my life today because I'm sober and I'm square. <laughs> I'm a square. Uh, there was another speaker it was at the East Bay Sunday night speaker meeting in Long Beach and this guy was a stone cold killer he was a Vietnam vet sniper he was just a badass man and he, he reminded me of my alcoholic uncles and just scary men but to hear this guy say that he was sober and that to be a real man was to be sober, to be there for his kids, to keep the lights on so they could do their homework and put food on the table. That was a real man. I'd spent my life trying to improvise because I didn't know what a man was. And I was trying to make you think I was a man, but now you know, I can stand up here and be weepy and not care and, and actually be comfortable with it. Tell you guys I love you. And I'm actually surprised I didn't break down a little more because the emotion of the end of my relationship is popping up in the last couple of weeks and I didn't expect it. I, anyway, I'm not running from it. It's here. I'm just kind of surprised. I usually get a little more weepy. Um, but it, my name is Jimmy. I'm an alcoholic. I appreciate you guys letting me be here tonight. Thank you.